Welcome. This is the Word to Wisdom with John Strasse, a teaching ministry that will build you up in the love of God's Word. And now, here's John. Hey, this is John Strasse, and welcome to the program today. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad that you're here. It's a special message today. I want to do something a little bit different. I want to just kind of recap and just open up a bit about what we're doing here, why we're doing it. And there's a message here today. It's going to be about the gospel itself, but it's also in relation to what we're doing. As I think about the needs of the church and of the people we meet, the places we visit, um, the purpose of this podcast, and even looking at a broader picture of the church at large throughout the world, what we might see through media and different ministries and what they're saying and doing, and the needs of people around the world. One of the things that has been centerpiece in Word to Wisdom podcast is the gospel itself. Um, Paul writes in Romans about the gospel, and the writer of Hebrews is writing about the gospel. Um, the letter of Ephesians and Galatians, Colossians, Philippians. They're all about the gospel. And it's sad in a way for me, and, and also interesting, I guess, to put it that way, is that when I speak to Christians and when I listen to Christians, whether it's through media or whether it's in person, in church, churches that we have visited over the years, I must say, in looking at what is in the center of the stage of their lives, be it the church or individuals, the gospel actually isn't it. They love Jesus. They have had an experience, a real experience with him. But in listening to the messages, and you know, this isn't pointing the finger. I think that this is just that there is a need to understand the gospel itself as it really is, as Paul explained it. And I've been fortunate enough over the last probably 10 years or so to be strongly influenced by a couple of ministries, two or three that are very clearly describing and teaching what the gospel is. Even been fortunate enough to listen to ministers whose main purpose is to bring the gospel, as odd as it sounds, to churches full of believers people who've been going to church their whole lives, to describe this gospel again more clearly right out of Scripture. And so many people are, are found crying and saying, I just didn't know this. I didn't know God was this good. I didn't know the gospel was this good. I didn't know that God loved me that much. I didn't know he forgave me that much. Many of us, myself included, grew up under a gospel where God's arms were crossed and his head shaking no to you about pretty much anything about your life that you may have wanted or needed, that you weren't good enough, that you were on probation of some sort, that your life was being investigated, kind of this feeling of disapproval from God. And the centerpiece of the gospel, which again is something I speak about here predominantly, I even have some episodes that are about that, the essence of the gospel. That in its greatest, simplest form, God loved the world so much that he sent his son. And he loved the world so much in the condition that it was in, a sinful condition, 
So he already loved us when we were in that condition. Now, he certainly didn't want us to stay in that condition, but he sent Jesus to live as a man for us, to live the life as an example for us, what we could be, what we could do, how we could live. And he knew all along that the people around him were sinful, that they were not righteous, that they were not in good standing with God. And he knew all along that he would be the sacrifice for us. And sadly, so many Christians just don't see that God actually cares for them. They've been introduced to religion. This is what tends to happen one way or another. This religion that comes along and says, I've got to do something to make myself in right standing with God. And we're forgetting that we can't. That part isn't our job. Jesus put us in right standing with God. Let me read something I've read so many times before. It's Romans 5. This is a key verse in regards to all of this. I'm reading out of the NIV today. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Paul is saying that we were given justification through faith and that we have peace with God, that we are at rest and peace with God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we gained access by faith into this grace. He's talking about grace. I've been thinking a lot today about the attack that grace is under. You know, when Paul wrote the book of Galatians, grace was under attack, the idea of grace. The religious people did not like grace because it took the ownness of righteousness off of them and put it on Jesus. They didn't like that. Paul died for the message of grace. And in today's world, there are many name callers against those who preach grace because they think that they're saying, and maybe some are, sadly, and they would be wrong, they're saying that because of grace, you can just live any old life you want. Well, that's not the gospel grace message. That's just somebody else's idea of something that is wrong. Even Paul in Romans 6 said, you know, are we going to take advantage of the grace of God and just sin? And Paul said, no, God forbid. So it's obvious that the grace Paul was teaching was not about just do whatever you wish. But it does not take away from the fact that the grace of God that he gave us was so magnificent and so massive I'm not going to underestimate it just because there are name callers out there who say things about people who teach grace as if it's some ungodly thing to do. It's not. Paul spoke about it all the time. He's speaking about it right here, that we stand in this grace. How can you minimize that? Grace is Jesus. If you want to know what grace is, it's Jesus having paid a price that we didn't have to pay for us. When we were guilty, we got to walk out of a court unguilty. Jesus paid the price so that our guiltiness would no longer be on us. If that's not grace, then I don't know what is. And if that's not huge, I don't know what is. And we are justified with this grace and with faith. In Jesus, he is our justification, our righteousness. When we were born again, we were created in righteousness and true holiness. Our spirit was made new. 
This is the lesson of spirit, soul, and body. We are three parts. And when we were born again, our spirit was made new and our spirit was made perfect. Your spirit in Christ is perfect because Jesus is there. He is perfect in you, in your spirit. And you may argue and say, well, I certainly don't act it. That's right, because you have a soul and a body that has to be dealt with in this salvation process by the renewing of your mind. And that comes with the word of God and with prayer and with a daily walk with the Lord. You know, I thought this morning about the idea of repentance, which also so many people misunderstand. They think it's groveling on the ground and crying and I'm sorry and this and that. And you know what? It may include that, but that's not its definition. The definition is to turn around, go the other way, walk away from your sin because Jesus gave you the power and the life to do so. When you were born again, you were enabled to turn right around and go the other way. And if you could just picture walking away from some dark place and you're a day away from it and you could turn around and probably still see it and then you're a week away from it and if you turned around i guess you could still see it but it's 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 far enough away that you may not want to go back but if you're a year away from it and two years away from it you have walked far away from where you were the day you received jesus and that means you've walked far away from the sin you were in. And you don't want to walk back to it. And if you did, it would be a bit of a journey to go back or a bit of a fall, a hard fall. But we turn and go the other way. And that's part of the definition of repentance and to think different. And you can only do that with Christ within you, working in you that which is good. And you will change and grow from faith to faith and grace to grace. And you will grow in God's word. You'll plant his word in your heart. You'll read this word. You'll pray about it. And it will bear fruit. This is what the Christian walk is. But what I think is missing as far as the gospel is concerned is that eventually, and there's doctrines about this. I was reading about them yesterday. I, I saw names of doctrines I never even heard of before. And inevitably, they all do the same thing. They turn into self-righteousness. What they say is, when you're first born again, everything's all right with God. All your sins have been forgiven and everything is okay. But as you're walking along tomorrow or the next day or next week and you do some sin, you're right back to ground zero again. You need to repent again as if you're going to hell. That is not true. You will never get anywhere and you'll be the most miserable person on earth if that's the way you're going to live. And people who live in self-righteousness like that are miserable. This is why when they preach or their churches operate and try to do revival, nobody wants to go. Nobody wants that life. They want to be set free. People want freedom. They need freedom from their sin. People who are self-righteous are not free from their sin. They're just hiding. They're deceiving themselves that their good works, going to church and paying tithes and doing this and reading the Bible and whatever they do, if they're doing it to become self-righteous, then it's all in vain. It has to be about love. It has to be about Jesus. And Jesus always has to be centerpiece as the one who justified you. It never changes. That never goes away. 
Your salvation, it stays with you. If you make a mistake or sin, you don't lose everything. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. If your church is teaching you that you lose your salvation every time you make a mistake or a sin or something, then, then I would suggest looking elsewhere. You can't sustain that life. And those who try are usually the most miserable people. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no love. Paul was saying in Corinthians 13 about love, he was saying, you could have all the faith in the world. You could have all the good works in, in the world. You could give everything you own to other people. But if you do it without love, you're basically nothing. The life we live in Christ is one that has everything to do with the love of God that he gave to us and that he grows in us and that we bring back out into this world. We become the light of this world. It's through him. He knows we're not perfect. And no, we are not going to take advantage of the grace of God and just do as we please. That's not why we repented. We repented to walk the other way. That's what it meant. We're not on the road to ruin. We are on the road of grace and faith in Christ, being renewed every step of the way, getting in the word of God every step of the way, and growing in him every step of the way, never forgetting that it was the grace of God that brought us here. That should be centerpiece every day of our lives. It should be the centerpiece of every ministry. No matter what the ministry is about, that should be core. That should always be there. And sadly, I see that it's not. Some ministries are very heavy in faith and they're deficient in grace. And there's some who are so heavy in grace that they're deficient in faith. And we were given this life. We were made new and we were given this life so that we would do good works. James says that faith without works is dead. But don't misunderstand what James is saying. He's not saying that your works bring justification. He says that your faith will bring works. Real faith will bring good works. You'll do good things, big or small. I'm not here to tell you what those works would be. It could be as small as giving a glass of water to somebody. Or you may go and bring somebody to the Lord. You see that they're lost and you speak to them. You give them the word and you bring them to the Lord and they receive Christ. Or you build a business or you build a church or you build a school. Any number of different things. But there is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace. And some people forget that kindness is in there. And faith is in there. I look for kindness in people. And when I don't see it, it's a disappointment at, at the very least. Kindness, gentleness, patience, all of these things, those are good fruits and those are good works. When you're being patient with somebody, it's a good work. We were made for good works. And what James was saying in his letter, that faith without works is dead, he was saying, if there's no fruit here, then there's no life here. When Christ is in somebody, when they've received him, something's going to happen. But if the message of the gospel itself is not clear to that person, they're probably going to struggle along the way. I know I did as a young believer, and that went on many, many years, and it caused so much trouble. I lost years of my life to poor teaching. I was not taught the gospel as Paul teaches it. I listened to people more than reading my Bible. And because of it, I landed in a place where there was a lot of self-righteousness. 
There was poor teaching in regard to the new covenant that we live in compared to the old covenant that we do not live in anymore, the Old Testament, the New Testament. There's so much here, and I think all I'm saying here today, brothers and sisters, is this. If I'm going to give any message in my life that I think matters, and what gives me the greatest joy is seeing a believer who's struggling with all of this and then hearing the truth of the gospel and realizing, I didn't know God was that good. I didn't know he did all this for me. I didn't even know he cared that much. To see a believer like that light up in their eyes and, and see the weights fall off their shoulders is one of the greatest joys I can imagine. To see somebody understand the grace of God, the love of God, and what Jesus did so faithfully and so gloriously for us. That's the message that I want to give. There's a lot of interesting things we could talk about in the Bible, and that's well and good. But when I stand back and I look at the life of Paul and seeing how God chose Paul, of all people who was a Pharisee at the highest level, he was trained at the highest level. I was studying a lot about that this week, who trained him and where he was. And his name was Saul at first. And that, you know, that, that word Saul means, you know, very important, highly sought after. And when God renamed Saul to Paul, the Apostle Paul, that name, you may not be aware, means little. So his first name was significant and sought after, and his second name was little. And God took somebody who understood the law, probably better than most, and then came to show him the purpose of that law and what Jesus had done, and that we were no longer justified, as the Pharisees might have thought, by trying to perform the law, but we would be justified by our faith in what Jesus did, which is what I read to you, Paul's statement here. Therefore, since we have been justified, made righteous, that's what that means, by faith, in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. The grace of God is highly important to understand, and that we are justified by faith in Jesus is highly important to understand. In my mind, there's no greater foundational message. And foundational though it may be, there's also no greater message. Paul said it, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That gospel was this particular good news, that we are justified by faith in Jesus because of his grace and all that he gave us for free. He set us free. He took our condemnation away. He took the guilty charge away. And we walked out of court a free person, the court that was under the law, because he nailed our sins to a cross. He became us. He became the curse that was on us. He traded places with us. And he did it because he loved us. And when you believe in him and receive him into your heart and receive this message into your heart. You are a true believer and a Christian and you will turn and you will go the other way and you will continue walking far away from the darkness that you were once in and you will have light in you 
and that light is the life of the world, Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the centerpiece of our message. So I'll read Paul's statement again and I'll close with this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace wherein we now stand. The gospel is the most beautiful message I know. Brothers and sisters, thank you for listening to this. And thank you for being with us today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. God bless you. We love you. And we hope to see you on the next episode.